We are on the last sermon of Nehemiah, and it's odd that we are on the last message. Um, if you read the book of Nehemiah, and, and I'm not assuming you did, um, it actually has 13 chapters. Okay, so when you say there's going to be a series on a book that has 13 chapters, and you're ending it in chapter 6, which we are ending today in chapter 6, it kind of seems odd, uh, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But we are at chapter 6, and this is actually where the wall is completed. So today's message is going to, we're going to be wrapping up the series on Nehemiah. I'm going to briefly mention some of the things we are skipping over in the latter chapters. And then beginning next week, we're going to start a new series, which is um, still uh, in the works. There's, it'll be either the uh, Sermon on the Mount or Genesis, so we'll, we'll kind of play by ear and and see where the Lord leads. But I, I want to uh, encourage you to think through Nehemiah this, this week, if you can, as we wrap this. Just kind of think through some of the lessons. Last week we talked about, do you guys remember what the theme was last week? Generosity, right? How Nehemiah models generosity, God's generosity. It, it's a countercultural generosity. It's not, it's not the way the world shows generosity, which is usually out of its abundance. But it's a counter cultural, a self-sacrificing, not a self-entitled, and other-centered kind of generosity that Nehemiah models for us. And it really reflects God. And, and I think I challenged all of us to be generous in our own ways, right? Generous with our attitudes and generous with our words and generous with our time, right? Um, there's so many other things in Nehemiah looking back that are challenging for us too, to, to recognize opposition and to be prepared for it, to, to be in the classical movement of becoming aware and having your heart be moved and taking action. I think there's a lot of good lessons to be had in Nehemiah, and I encourage you to read, read through Nehemiah again and, and reflect on those truths. But today's text is going to end this uh, series, and a couple of verses from chapter 6, and then I'd like to read the last verse of Nehemiah from chapter 13. So today's text is Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, and the last part of chapter 13, verse 31. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And then chapter 13, verse 31. Nehemiah concludes this memoir with simply this prayer. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you now to hear your word, we pray that you will soften our hearts. Help us to see you in these words today. Help us to receive all that you have for us through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here in the middle of Nehemiah is this little verse. Not given much fanfare. It's just a verse. And the middle of talking, the entire chapter 6 is really about opposition. It's really about the opposition that Nehemiah faces. And in the midst of talking about this opposition, there's this, there's this verse. Almost, it almost feels like a hidden or throwaway verse, but it really is the highlight 
of what has been going on in these first six chapters, and that is the work on the wall is now completed. Verse 15 tells us, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elo in 52 days. The wall that lay in ruins for decades is now fixed. The work is completed. The work is completed. And now that the work is completed, we come to realize the wall, rebuilding of the wall, really wasn't about the wall after all. Rebuilding of the wall was really a symbolic metaphor for what God was doing in the people, right? At the end of the day, it wasn't the wall that was the objective. The wall in and of itself, these stones built on top of each other, protecting a geographic area, wasn't really what was going on. What God was doing was God was preparing a space for his people to be renewed and revitalized. I want to conclude this series on Nehemiah by reminding everyone that is here, this is what we are trying to do here at THMCEM. I know that all of us are in various seasons of life. I know that all of us are going through either, you know, a good season of fruitfulness. Some of us may be going through a difficult season, transitions, people changing jobs, people transitioning uh, careers, uh, which is what I just said about jobs, <laughs> but people going through these different seasons of life, engaged. I mean, wherever we are, you are individually wherever God may be doing in your life, I want us to take a step back and see what is God is doing for us corporately as a group. And so today, I want us to focus on our work here together at THMCEM. I believe God is calling all of us for a work of revitalization and renewal. We went through a very long season of the pandemic. The congregation has changed Leadership has changed. Times are changing. And I, when I came to join you all in April, it was for the specific reason of praying with you and thinking with you and discerning with you what are the ways in which God is wanting us to change. Because at the end of the day, like Nehemiah, we are on a rebuilding project, but it isn't really about what we're doing here. It's the the why behind it, the people behind whom we want to serve. And that's what I want to draw out as we conclude this series in Nehemiah. When Nehemiah finishes the wall, there isn't much fanfare. There isn't a long chapter given to it. There isn't a long celebration. There's a lot of revival and reform coming down the road. But simply one verse, so the wall was finished in 52 days. And then one description that I believe aptly describes what they accomplished, and that is the latter part of verse 16. For they, that is their opposition, and all of the people around Israel, they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of 
our God. This, I believe, defines the work that Nehemiah did in that it was a God-centered work. What we are doing at THMCEM, what we would like to see at the end of this time of transition, time of renewal, time of revitalization, is that people will say that God did this. That THMCEM was revitalized with the help of God. If at the end of wherever we're going, we get there, and all people see is the work that we've done and not realize and not recognize or not perceive that it was God who helped us, then our work would be in vain. So what does it mean to do work in such a way that others perceive it to be God's work? What does it mean to do work? What does it mean for us to try and revitalize our ministry in a way that people see that it was through God? Well, I think there are two things, two um, qualities about what it means to do godly work from Nehemiah that I want to draw your attention to. The first The first is that the work that we are doing, when it's done, becomes a blessing for the people. How do you know? How do you know when what you're doing, God's hand is in it? One of the surest ways that you know God is likely to be part of this is that when all is said and done, the work is for the betterment of the people. It is a blessing of the people. It is the flourishing of the people. The wall, remember, what does the wall do? The wall wasn't just being built to build a wall. The wall was to build safe space so that the people could be revived, so that the people could be renewed. Remember the very first thing that Nehemiah said to the people when he tried to rally them to build? He says, the walls are in ruins and you are in desolation and, and you are in shame. There was no safe space for the people to worship God, to sacrifice, and to build a community. They were always under the threat of enemies. Rebuilding the wall provided the people a safe space to renew their spiritual life, to revive their spiritual life. If you look at the latter parts of Nehemiah, which we have in today, you'll see that reform comes as a result of finishing the wall. Reform comes. Sacrifices are reinstituted. Um, Israel is able to have uh, observe festivals of the booths, feast of booths again. They are called to live life the way God intended for them to live because of the wall. What we are doing here at THMCEM isn't about creating an environment on Sunday that's all nice and shiny. It's about creating space for every single person that comes here to be revived, renewed, and flourish. What I would love to see is, it doesn't matter if we are a group of 20 or a group of 2,000. What God desires from us is that we work together to create space for God to bless people and for people to be renewed and to flourish. We need to create a space where if people are going through difficult times, that they can come and be comforted. We need to create space for when people are um, 
exploring the meaning of what is God, meaning of their life, what has God called me to. We are here to encourage people to discover gifts, men and women, and in every stage of life. It doesn't matter if you're 20 and you have your life ahead of you, or if you're looking at this crowd, there isn't going to be anyone super old, but I'm probably the oldest here, but it doesn't matter if you're in your 50s. And you feel like you're on the downturn and you're more wrapping things up in life. It doesn't matter. God is always calling you to serve. And God has gifted you. We need to be a space where people can explore and discover their gifts and be affirmed in their gifts. There's some of us in here who are gifted to encourage. There's some of us in here who are gifted with hospitality, with creativity, with so much to give. Not just to the members here, but to our larger community. And God wants to create a space where we can encourage and foster that. We need to find a space where we can form spiritual habits that are going to sustain us. If you don't get into good habits now, I can assure you that we will default to the most easiest and conforming patterns. If you don't build in good habits, spiritual habits, spiritual formative habits to be the people of God on a regular basis, it's so easy to drift. So we want to be all of that. A work that is recognizably one by God is one that blesses people, one that helps people flourish. T-H-M-C-E-M, at the end of this time in our life together as a community, will people say they achieved what they've achieved? We know that God was in it because what they've achieved blesses people. It helps people grow. That's, the, that's a sign of what it means to be doing something with the help of God. The second quality that I want you to see comes from Nehemiah's prayer at the end where he says, remember me, O Lord, O God, for good. Remember me. Now, it's interesting. Nehemiah in chapter 13, we, we, we didn't read it, but three times in chapter 13, just in chapter 13, he prays, remember me, O my God. And, and 13, 14, he says, remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I've done for the house of my God and for his service. 13.22, remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. And he concludes his entire memoir, his book, by saying, remember me, O my God, for good. The second observation I want to make about work that is done with God's help is one that focuses on God as the ultimate audience. It's the one that is solely focused on re recognizing that even though we're serving people, we're doing it for God. And that what we want to, to hear from God is well done, good and faithful servant. It's paradoxical in some ways. We're doing it for the people, but really we're trying to please God. Right? So, or if you put it the other way, we are trying to please God, and the way we please God is by blessing others. 
Now, do you see something? Do you notice inherently in, what, in that pattern, right? What are the two greatest commandments that are very connected to each other? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love God? You cannot love God without loving your neighbors. And how do you love your neighbors? By loving God. It is, it's the two sides of the same coin. And this is what Nehemiah is exactly doing here. Nehemiah, in, in, even before, in a kind of an indirect way, is saying, remember me, O oh God. This is for you, God. I'm serving you. At the end of the day, my legacy is with you. Like, I, I don't, at the end of the day, the people may not remember me. Or it doesn't really matter how the people remember me. Well, it matters a little. Of course, you want to be remembered for doing good. But at the end of the day, Nehemiah says, remember me, O oh God, for good. Like, I am doing this for you, O oh God. But when you do something for God, it always ends up, more often than not, as a service to other people. And when you serve other people, you're, at the end of the day, you realize you are doing this for God. Now, this is important for a couple of reasons. One is that when you are called to bless people, sometimes it means helping them get out of bad situations, confronting them in a loving way. Nehemiah had to confront the people of Israel. They were doing a lot of things that were not helping them as a community. Number one, there were charging their brothers and sisters outrageous interest in lending money. So the rich were taking advantage of the poor, and Nehemiah spoke against that. They were disobeying God by not following all of the, uh, the festivals that were prescribed. And in those days, okay, and, and in that context, in the Old Testament, they were called not to intermarry with the nations around them, and that was for a specific reason. And they were also doing that, and God caused them to repent and get right. Sometimes when you are helping people grow, helping them flourish, it means challenging them prophetically, challenging them on ways that they're not doing well. And if you are always only wanting their approval, it's hard to call someone out. It's hard to call someone and say, we shouldn't be doing this. If we're, as a church, we're doing something and, and we, and I call you out on it, if my desire is for your approval, if my legacy is solely defined by how much you like me, then I can't say those hard things. But Nehemiah, as much as he loves the people of Israel and cares for their well-being, his eyes is on God. It says, remember me, oh my God, for good. His audience is singular, is God. And yet, the fruit of his work is always for the benefit of others. That's how you know that your work is from God. Dear friends, I pray that our eyes will be solely upon God, that we would, all of us, individually and corporately, just single-mindedly say, oh God, we want to do your will. But in doing so, I pray that everything we do is for the sake of others, that it blesses other people. It helps them flourish. It helps them discover their gifts. It helps them comfort them in their time of distress. We rejoice with their successes. I hope that both of these are true in our work in revitalizing THMC-EM. Let's pray.
God, lead us, help renew and revitalize THMCEM. Help us to keep our eyes on you and help us to be a place, a safe place, a place where people can flourish, where people can discover their gifts, where people can be comforted, a place where people can experience the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ. To that end, help us. Remember us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.